Hey there, welcome back to the Path to Zion podcast, where we are rediscovering the ancient way. Thank you for joining us today. You can always find us online 24-7 at pathtozion.com, where we have two years worth plus now of audio recordings, episodes of varying topics, different times and seasons of the year, and uh, a progression of tackling this rediscovering of the ancient way. You can always send us an email at pathdesignpodcast at gmail.com. And if you want to, you can subscribe here on our YouTube channel. And uh, we would appreciate it if you would share it with a friend if you feel like we're saying anything of value here on the program. Now, that being said, I know that this is a very, very narrow, narrow topic program that we do here. This is not a wide way presentation. This is not something that is a big, huge, broad net that's going to land on mass majority humanity. This is a very, very, very narrow path. The, the, the path to Zion is not for the masses. It never has been and never will be. And that has to be part of our understanding as we move forward as to um, just the understanding, properly understanding that, that the biblical pattern of Yahweh God's people is a remnant people, a, a small amount of people. Now, I don't want to talk a whole lot just gibberish today, um, but I do want to direct you to the series in case you have not. We have people come on and, and, and are not familiar with things we've done in the past. Now, there is a 13-part a series, video series, that was just concluded about, I don't know, five or six days ago where we examined, um, the name of the series was Inhabitants Who Are Meant to Sojourn, A Call to Come Out. And what we looked at is a biblical pattern that I believe is found in Genesis chapter 26 of Isaiah, of Isaac rather. Isaiah's, I'm pretty sure he's not in Genesis. But Isaac, however, is, and he goes and he redigs the wells of his father. And we talked about that principle of becoming a sojourner in a land that we have inhabited. And, and that that really unearthed a whole lot of things that are hard for many people to believe and therefore respond to. Um, we're getting some feedback, some good, some bad. Bad, good, you know, we want to just trivialize everything and dumb it down. We have people who are, who are receiving it, who are saying, you know what, brother, I don't like that at all. I don't, I don't like hearing that. It, it, it offends me. It confronts my beliefs, my doctrines. It literally it literally confronts my entire identity as a human being. But if that is true, and we put it out there, we say, dig it out for yourself. Look into it yourself. If this is in fact true, I have got to come out of this pagan idolatrous nation founded upon ancient gods and goddesses. We're getting feedback on both sides it's not 50-50, but, but we're choosing to follow what Yahweh is revealing in people's hearts and lives. Now, many people I send this to, no response, nothing to say. It's, it's interesting to me how, how, how we talk about our verbiages, the brotherhood and the, the beautiful body of Messiah interacting with one another. And, but then when something's presented to one individual, well, you better do what we told you. And then the other individual gives something to another, no response. Or a response that says, whoa, hey, hey, don't be telling me what to do. 
Don't be telling me how it is. It's very interesting, the, the touchiness of these subjects, and it, it reveals at the heart, and then we're going to get in today, it reveals the idolatry that it is, because when idolatry is exposed in our hearts, we only have two options, friends. We only have two options when, it, and when idolatry is illuminated in our own hearts. You leave it and you hate it, or you remain in it and you love it to the end. You've got two options now. It's very simplified in that sense. If, in fact, it's brought to your awareness, you are, it is added to your understanding, it is exposed for what it is, and you give yourself to it in faith saying, Father, if this is true, I am willing to put all of it out on the table and burn it up in an inferno of flames because I will not have idolatry in my heart and in my life. And so we have two options before us. Now, Now this is interesting because in a gathering I was in yesterday, for at least the second week in a row, maybe the third, I was thinking about Daniel. Um, one brother was doing a teaching two weeks ago, and he, he, he talked about the edict, the, the um, decree that was made against Daniel, in Daniel's response to it. Now, he was talking about a, a whole number of things, but briefly touched on this stuff with Isaac. Or <laughs> here I am again, getting names wrong, with Daniel. I talked about Isaac for so long. Um, and, and in our home, in just our own Bible time, in our house, or just casual conversation as we're playing a game or sitting at the dinner table, we'll talk about Daniel. And again, yesterday morning in a gathering, I had an opportunity to, to briefly share and I just was hung up on Daniel, specifically chapter 6 in Daniel. Now, Daniel chapter 6 is very infamous, right? It is a, an age-old Sunday school fable. Every, every one of us who grew up in church, we see the felt board with little Daniel, and he's, you know, not little, but, you know, Daniel's thrown into the lion's den, and he's surrounded by the wild beasts that are encircling him, and you know, what, however you remember that. But he was saved. He was fine. Um, miracle. And I'm not, I'm not saying that those things aren't true, but, but let's today look at a few more deeper things within this account. In Daniel chapter 6, for our good, it's applicable to today. Now, I'm not going to talk about politics. I'm not going to talk about the Christian, patriotic, evangelical, American machine agenda. I'm not going to do that today. I'm not on that I'm not riding that bus today, and it feels quite nice. And, and for anyone who just jumped on board on this program, I have never in my life ever been outspoken about political stuff in the, in the political sphere and arena at all, ever. So if you came into this program, and I'm always talking about pagan America and idolatrous goddess Columbia and, and Libertas and like... This is not, that was not normal for this broadcast whatsoever. Again, you can go back and look at all our previous recordings, man. I don't touch that stuff ever. But the Father brought me into that and said, we won't get into all that. I had an opportunity to say, all right, God, I will do that, and I'm willing to take it on the chin if, if that's what it takes to shine a light, even a little, little flicker of a light on what I believe the Spirit is saying in this hour. So we did that. But that's not what we do here. That's not what this program is about. This is not a political commentary channel in any way whatsoever. <laughs> so let that be clear as we move forward and begin to move back into what's normal 
for this broadcast. And so today I named this study, and this study, this is just me with my Bible and some commentaries for an hour and a half today. That's it. Um, it was, I was not intending to record anything, but I just, all day long, it's mid-afternoon now, another snowy, cold day here. And so I was just like, man, I just want to give myself a little bit of time into Daniel chapter 6 and just see what happens, and maybe I'll jump online and post a video. Well, here we are. And without trying, two pages typed out, the Word of God is what? It's living, it's active. It should not be hard for us to open the Word of God and have more than we can bite off at any given time because of the layers of truth within it for us that, that made it all the way down to, that, to today where we are. In 2021, it is incredible. It is a living Word, y'all. I hope you know that. It is a living Word. So I called today the real lion's den. The real lion's den. Now, now this title is going to make sense here in a few moments, so stick with me. We are going to read the text, um, so let's just read some of it. We'll, we'll just again. I don't have it mapped out where where exactly we're going to land today, but I have a pretty good gist of what we're going to talk about. So let's just read some stuff. Daniel chapter six. It seemed good to Darius to appoint 120 satraps over the kingdom. Leaders, commissioners is another word in different translations that they should be in charge of the whole kingdom. And over them, three commissioners, of whom Daniel Daniel was one. Okay, So there's 120 individuals put in place of a governmental function of the land, and they should be in charge of the kingdom. Over these, three commissioners, and Daniel was one. Okay, So Daniel was a man of rightful reputation. He was a, he was a recognized man. Okay? And uh, he, he, he would be accountable, to, um, these others, this 120 would be accountable to he and this other two individuals. So this, this would benefit the king. Um, verse 3, Then this Daniel began distinguishing himself among these commissioners and satraps because he possessed an extraordinary spirit, and the king planned to appoint him over the entire kingdom. So obviously we know where this is going. We already know the account, of course, already. But as we always see, like Joseph with his brothers or all these other different accounts in the Word of God, jealousy in the hearts of man creeps up and, and, and comes upon men surrounding God's men. It's, it's a biblical pattern. And so as Daniel is beginning to distinguish himself, we'll explain some of these words. We'll do a little bit of word study here in a few moments. He had an extraordinary spirit. He was marked. He was different. He was... He was favored by Yahweh. Verse 4, the commissioners and satraps began trying to find a ground of accusation against Daniel in regard to government affairs, but they could find no ground of accusation or evidence of corruption inasmuch as he was faithful and no negligence or corruption was to be found in him. So Daniel was not some, you know, revolting rebel. Okay, he, this says, this is often this same verbiage we have around Shaul Paul in the New Testament where, you know, all the accusations were being bring brought against him as being a lawbreaker and hating the synagogue and hating the law of Moses and it's clear in the word of God. No, that this is nothing Paul did. Paul did not come and undo all of the Jewishness of the followers of Messiah and replace it with a new Jesus reality. No, 
No new religion. He was just building upon. He made it clear, and the Scripture makes it clear. I'm not here to say that stuff's no good anymore. I'm not breaking the laws. I'm, I'm not honoring your oral traditions. That was the big deciding factor, and because those men's hearts were jealous. We see the same provocation to jealousy when men were around Yeshua Messiah. Same thing. This is a pattern. But they could not find any evidence of wrongdoing in Daniel. Daniel was doing what was asked of him, what was requested of him. He abided by the laws of the land. He was not looking for trouble. He wasn't looking to defy the government and do whatever he had to do to say, look at me, I'm going to go worship Yahweh Elohim on a megaphone on a street corner to make a scene and a clamor to make a point. We're going to get to that. So... They continue in verse 5, These men said, We shall not find any ground of accusation against Daniel unless we find it against him with regard to the law of his God. So these men came by agreement in verse 6 to the king, and they spoke to him as follows. King Darius, live... I'm sure it was like this. Oh, King Darius, live forever, O mighty, great, exalted one. <laughs> and so they, they, they challenge him, consult together, and they challenged the king to establish a statute, I'm paraphrasing for the sake of time, and enforce an injunction that anyone who makes a petition to any god or man besides the king, for 30 days they shall be cast into the lion's den. Now we know how this goes. And so King Darius, in verse 9, signs the document, this injunction. Now, verse 10 is where it gets interesting. Daniel comes back onto the scene after stepping out for two or three verses. And it says, when Daniel knew that the document was signed, he entered his house. Now, in his roof chamber, he had windows open towards Jerusalem, and he continued kneeling on his knees three times a day, praying and giving thanks before his God as he had been doing previously. Because it's what he had always been doing previously, some texts would say. Let's just stop for a moment and talk about a few things. Okay? We're going to talk about some different translations, some different um, wordings, and different just verbiage. Verbiage is key in the Word of God. We, not, we have to know what we're reading. We've got to take our time. We've got to stop in this age of just reading every 10 words and getting the gist of a story. If we're not careful, we'll do that with the eternal written scriptures as well. But Daniel's in, accusers in verse 4, it's, it's translated another way to say this. The other chiefs and viceroys, or commissioner satraps that we just read, and another version says presidents and princes, they tried to find a cause for complaining, complaint against Daniel in regard to how he performed his governing duties, but they could find nothing to complain about. Not one single instance of negligence or faulty administration could be found. So they go on to say, we're not going to find any cause for complaint against this Daniel unless we find something against him in regard to the law of his God. So they then descended on the king. They went to him to talk to him. Now, it, been, it bears mentioning that, the, again, let's talk about a little bit of word study here, that when these men assembled together um, before the king, I don't have time to get all these verses specific. This text is easy to read. We're talking one chapter. Or, or another version might say they came by agreement. So, so these men assembled together in agreement to approach the king 
to, to formulate this decree against Daniel, who was serving openly Yahweh Elohim, they assembled in a very clear way. Now, we're not going to worry about saying the exact Hebrew word here, um, but we're going we're gonna to get the gist of it here. Because this is what assembled together or came by agreement meant in this verse. To gather in a tumultuous throng, to show tumultuousness, and to come thronging. Now, that's a, I don't know if I've ever said the word thronging, but to gather together in a, in a tumultuous throng. These men were coming together agitated, tumultuous, ready to, to get Daniel. Now, why? Again, let's go back. They're jealous. They don't like what they see. They don't like how Daniel is being exalted in the ranks above them and, and, and moving into a place of authority directly under the king himself. They don't like that. So it assembles them together, and they agree upon this, and that is what fueled them to go before the king to institute this decree. These men were malicious and bent on catching Daniel in the act of worshiping Yahweh. Why? Again, verse 3, Daniel distinguished himself. He was set for recognition by the king. And this incited jealousy and rage, tumultuousness, by his peers. Now, his peers, those who he was in a designated place of authority alongside. He was being given a lofty place among other appointed men. But he was distinct and different as he, as he, sought Yahweh in the land, as he sought Yahweh in the land. It was his, it was his, what we're going to get to next, it was what he did day after day after day after day that provided him a place of elevation, a place of function, a place of what? Being distinguished, set apart. He was, he was exalted rightly, not because, look who I am, I love you, king, I'm going to do this and make this stance and make this big, you know, boastful, I don't know, declaration of my greatness. He was a man who did what he was supposed to do day by day by day, which is what we're going to look at right next, uh, very next here. And we're going to start to establish this point of why I called this, this, this short message here today, the real lion's den. We know Daniel in the lion's den. We know the account. But what was the real lion's den? His peers. Daniel's peers were more of a lion's den than the lion's den. That's, that's, the, that's kind of the coolness of this verse and what I feel like the Father's highlighting in this for us to just add to our lives for reasons we may not yet understand. I have a reason to believe why the Father brought me to this today, but it may be different for you. His peers were the real lion's den. Those who were plotting against him were the real lion's den. Verse 24. Well, how do I arrive at that? What are you talking about, Joel? Now, during the gathering I was in yesterday morning, during a prayer time, I was in Daniel 6, and so I became in Daniel 6, and I just began to read it. And I just began to ask the Father, what are you saying, and why do you keep bringing me back here? Especially in, in a corporate gathering, why do you keep bringing me here in the midst of the assembly? I don't understand, but I want to find my place 
and accomplish the function you have me to be and to accomplish. And so in verse 24 specifically, I want to go from now. And then we'll go back. We know the middle section. We'll touch on that. Well, let's just, we know what happened, right? Surely. You know what happened, right? And if you don't, I'm not trying to make you feel silly, but I feel like everyone who would listen to this broadcast know that that the, the king keeps to his decree, throws Daniel in the lion's den, and Daniel is spared. He, he's delivered. Nothing happens to him. There's not a, a tear on his clothes or a blood-stained garment. He, he's fine, and he's delivered, and the king goes, and hopefully the king is hoping he's fine. And the king calls out, oh, Daniel, has your God delivered you? And, of course, Daniel says, yes, I'm fine. He pulls him out. Okay, so, so let's go to uh, verse 24. And this, this, there's so many points, but we're going to try to have to wrap this up here. The king then gave orders after Daniel's taken out of the den and uh, no injury was found on him because he had trusted in his God is the end of verse 23. The king gave orders and they brought those men who had maliciously accused Daniel and they cast them, now this is hard, their children and even their wives into the lion's den and they had not reached the bottom of the den before the lions overpowered them and crushed all of their bones. Is that harsh? You'd better believe it. It's hard. It's hard judgment. Admittedly so. And anybody just reads that casual? You didn't hear that in third grade Sunday school, did you? It hurts, man. Judgment's hard, y'all. Vengeance is mine, says the Lord, okay? When he, when he executes judgment, wrath, and vengeance, man, you better get out of the way and hope it's not coming for you. But this word is what jumped out at me in verse 24. These men who had maliciously accused Daniel. And that's what led me to title this today, The Real Lion's Den, because when you do a word study into this, it'll stand out to you as well, I would assume. Those who had maliciously accused Daniel, they are translated as being ones who were to eat, devour, and to eat as beasts the pieces. Okay? So, just think about that for a minute, okay? The, and I, I pray the Father helps this to be clear, because it's clear in my mind. I'm not sure how to word it exactly. We get all caught up in, in the story of the actual animals, the lions. And that is miraculous, of course. My goodness, that was an ancient way of, of, of terminating people's lives. <laughs> Death by lions. Horrific. I can't even imagine. The fact that people would be a part of that is appalling, of course. It's horrible. But I've never really heard anyone talk about this word, those who had maliciously accused from a, a, a rightful definition of what that means, which is to eat and devour the pieces of. So these men sought to do what they... Now, this is kind of deep, I think. Now, these men, in their divisive ways and in their ways of just responding to jealousy and darkness in their own hearts, they devised a plan for Daniel, the servant of the Most High God, Yahweh Elohim, to be devoured by animals, lions. Devoured. Torn to pieces now. And in that decision of them formulating that document for him to be caught in the act of serving Yahweh Elohim openly in his home, they themselves ended up being devoured by what they devised. Why? Because that was who they were and what they were doing. 
So to me, the real lion's den were the individuals, the men that had prepared this, this plan to thwart Yahweh God's man by eating, devouring, and eating the pieces of him in jealousy. Now, now why are we talking about this? Well, let's do this. Let's look at some attributes of Daniel's life, and let's compare ourselves with him. This is a safe thing to do. These, these men of God that are, who, who have gone before us, and this is not a message of like, well, they were men just like us, full of sin, full of problems. We know these men were not flawless men, but yet there are still attributes we can add to our lives, especially in this crazy hour of chaos. Let's just read a few verses. Attributes of Daniel. Verse 10. Um, okay, so he continued kneeling after this document was signed. He went to his house again, not making a boisterous, you know, he didn't assemble 50 men to go and make a scene and say, yeah, look at this. We're worshiping Yahweh Elohim, you know, come and get us. He went to his house. This says, this would implicate that he went by himself into his house, closed his door, went up these steps in his roof chamber, had his windows open so he could have been heard, but not open so that he could be heard. Let's just be clear. He knelt on his knees three times a day. He continued doing this, praying, giving thanks before his Yahweh Elohim as he, as he had always been doing previously. Verse 11. They found Daniel what? Making petition and supplication before his God. Verse 20. When they came to Daniel in the lion's den, the king cried out with a troubled voice and said, Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God, whom you constantly serve, been able to deliver you from the lions? See, the king knew. The king already knew this is who Daniel was. The king already knew Daniel's life pattern of serving the one true God. Verse 23. Then the king was very pleased. He gave orders for Daniel to be taken up out of the den. So he was. Why? Because he had trusted in his God. Okay, so there's a pattern instilled here, that uh, a pattern of, of consistency with Daniel. When trial came, when trouble came, when jealous man full of rage came, how did he respond? He kept doing what he had always been doing, praising the Father, worshiping in his house, on his knees. A man who trusted in God, just as he always had. He didn't start trusting in God when he heard he was going into the den of lions. He just kept doing what he was always doing. He trusted in God when the decree came out. Why? Look, man, y'all make all the laws you want. I'm going to be up in my house praising the Father. And if you tell me I can't, so be it. I'm going to do it anyway. And I will interject. People keep telling me, very few individuals tell me, I hope you like it now because you're going to wish in days, months, weeks, years ahead that you're, you could have the right to worship like you had today. Friends, you can't take my right to worship away. You can't. Are we serious? Like, I don't want to get too emotional with this, but like, do we know what these men endured following the one true God? Did you, could they be silenced? Could they be stifled by a law, an edict, or a piece of paper saying from a government official that you cannot worship Yahweh Elohim? Seriously. 
It's, 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 it's ridiculous that people want to throw that at me or any other individual. I even lost my place. That somehow if, if the United States of America makes a stinking decree that says I can't worship Yahweh Elohim, that somehow I have to stop. It's foolishness. I would actually say maybe we'll actually start doing it because it'll actually cost us something. Instead of sitting here now in our cozy houses with freedom and luxury to do whatever we want, maybe the true worshipers would arise when true worship will cost us our very lives. How about that for, a, for something to chew on, a little different angle? So, we see Daniel's life, patterns, and attributes. If our lives, and this is something I want to be clear as we move towards an end, if our lives have been like Daniel... If we've been, as this quotes him as being a servant of the living God, if we have been trusting in God, if we have been going into our home and fasting and praying and lifting up praises to Yahweh Elohim, let us keep doing that. Let us continue doing that. If we've been doing that, that's something good to continue doing as we move forward. Psalm 56, in Yahweh I will praise his word, in Yahweh I have put my trust. I will not fear what mortal man can do to me. Again, the real lion's den is not all this peripheral nonsense that's going to happen if your liberties get taken away. You can't go to the grocery store. You can't go here. You can't go there. The problem is going to be the malicious men guided. Moved by principalities and powers. And friends, I'm just going to be honest. That may not be the bad guy boogeyman you think it's going to be. You hear what I'm saying? It might be your brother. It might be your neighbor. It might be your leader. It might be any one of, of anyone we could put on a lineup and say, good guy, bad guy, good guy. Friends, we don't have a clue. It could be me. We don't have a clue or a guarantee of anything unless we are men like Daniel who continue to seek the face of Yahweh Elohim just like we've been doing. Not distracted, not sidetracked. Look, y'all make all the documents you want. You put whoever you want in the presidential White House. You put whatever you want on a constitutional amendment. You go right ahead, brothers. Have a good time. I'm going up to my roof house, my rooftop to worship Yahweh Elohim like I've been doing every day. I'm set. I'm secure. It's a pattern of our lives. It could be a pattern for us now. Don't worry about the lion's den. Don't worry about the men. Don't be worried about the enemies that plot against us and the bad guy boogeyman that I just referenced that's behind every corner right now. And, and all the Christian patriots know the secrets. Please. Duped, man. Deceived. Played. Don't be so fascinated with identifying who the enemy is in the hour. It might be us. It might be we ourselves, our worst enemies. If we're not careful, we need to lift our eyes. God is looking for a people who will surrender to whatever comes from his sovereign hand. Do you hear what I'm saying? Man, people of this hour, Christian, patriotic Americans, they hate saying, you know what? How about you just in humility receive the sovereign hand of the Father bringing you trials and tribulations. Even people I know that say they know this is coming, this is prophecy, trials, tribulations, we're not rapturitis, escapism-driven Christians, but still 
They're fighting at every turn of every event that transpires, fighting off what they say they know has to come to the earth to purify the bride for Yeshua Messiah to come and receive his reward. It's baffling to me. Friends, we have to be careful we're not fighting what has to come to purge us and purify us and make us a bride made ready. So if we've been faithful, if we've been trusting, continue to do that just like Daniel. You understand what I'm saying? Continue to do what you've already been doing. If not, if you've not been faithful, if you've not been trusting, if you've been wavering, if you've been divided, if you've been a man of, of double-minded idolatry, there's time for us. There's time to turn. Daniel could keep doing what he was doing because he was firmly established. But now is the time for America, Christian America, to turn and to repent. To be found as a faithful servant. I would say much of what we're seeing, fear, anxiety, chaos in the body of Messiah. Liberty, liberty, liberty. If you can just preserve my liberty and my freedoms, I promise I'll be okay. <laughs> and the sovereign hand of the Father is saying, no, surrender, surrender. Friends, if you hate surrendering, Christian patriotic militia man, if you hate surrendering, there's a problem. Because Yeshua Messiah, the suffering servant, was the epitome of a human being walking a fulfilled, perfect life of surrender. He never once did his own will. He never once took a stand and defended himself and spouted off, Don't you know who I am? You have no right. You know what he said? Basically, in summary, by his life now, no one has the ability to alter my course. I do what the Father says. I speak what he's saying. I do what he's doing. I say what he's saying. His trajectory was sure. And he was a humble, suffering servant to the utmost, surrendering his will. And in, in the surrendering came his authority. It came his power. Why? Because it was heavenly. It was not an earthly kingdom, and we know that without getting distracted. Fear, anxiety, and chaos in the body, it's all because we've not been seeing and being the attributes we see in Daniel. We've not been secure like him. We've not been steady like him. We've not been, we've not even been uh, like just responsible enough to tend to our spiritual daily routines to say, you know what? This stuff doesn't phase me. I'm just going to keep doing what I'm doing because it's all from the sovereign hand of the Father. He has this 100%. Did Daniel execute justice on the bad guys? No. It played out by, him, by itself, just like we saw in verse 24. The king gave the orders for the men who had conspired against Daniel and their wives and their children to be cast into the lion's den where they were consumed. God is the God of all judgment. Just like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, the fourth man delivered those men in the fire, in the flames. Who was consumed? The men who threw them in. 
Yahweh God has all of this stuff well under control. So uh, verse 26 and verse 27, and then we're absolutely done. The Father is capable. Verse 26, now this is the word of the king, and this is the culmination of every single thing, hopefully, in our lives. As we talk about the real lion's den. The, the king said this. He wrote this to all peoples, nations, and men of every language, language who are living in the land. Quote, I, the king, make a decree that in all the dominion of my kingdom, men are to fear and tremble before the God of Daniel. For he, the God of Daniel, is the living God, enduring forever, and his kingdom is one which will not be destroyed, and his dominion will be forever. He delivers and rescues and performs signs and wonders in heaven and on earth, who has also delivered Daniel from the power of the lions. If, if, in this hour now, fast forward to today, it's January, midway through January 2021, all these rumors of, of just brother hating brother, wars, rumors of wars, the birth pangs are going to increase. We know that. Don't fight it anymore. Stop fighting. Golly. <laughs> you want to fight something? Fight this and surrender your will. To be a spirit-led man controlled by Yahweh Elohim, man, on earth as it is in heaven. But if we can do this, if we can be like Daniel, we'll see what we just saw the king decree in 25, 26, and 27 of Daniel chapter 6. If we can do what he did, Daniel, we will come out the other side, alive or in death. It doesn't matter. We see both in the scriptures. Prevailing, victorious, supernaturally delivered, or dying like Stephen, where they saw him with a face as an angel gazing up at the Messiah to receive him. Either way, either way, either way the hand of the Sovereign Father brings to pass. We will come out the other side and the name of Yahweh will be glorified through our obedient lives. And the people will say, Let the God of Jason be our God. Let the God of Kim be our God. Let the God of Donna be our God. Let the God of Matthew be our God. What an awesome, incredible privilege it would be to hear our name in that line. I want to be that man so bad. By a life of surrender and completely just continuing on in the pattern of worshiping the Father the way I've been doing so that when all this stuff comes, that guy's not shaken. He's not mad. He's not taking to Facebook and cursing all the time and losing his mind and looking like a fool. He's not moved. Everybody else is moved. Why is that man not moved? Why is he in the midst of his accusers and he says, forgive them? They know not what they do. Surely there's something different. There's something distinguishable about that one. He's marked. He's different. He's distinct. He's set apart. And surely the God of that man will be the God of the land. 
we, the church, are presently doing something wrong. Because people are not presently turned towards the Father by our actions. Right now, the the corporate church identity as a whole is driving people out. It's pushing people further out. Now, the cliquish, interior, sheep mentality, now that's going deeper and deeper and deeper. It's actually expanded. It's crazy. The, the, the sheep mentality has expanded into people that I never thought would be led astray or getting, getting sucked in. But those on the outside are being driven out even further. The nations are being driven out even further. Not towards Yahweh. Something must change. And guess what it is, friends? It's us. The church. It's us. It's us. It's we who must change. We must be like Daniel. So this hour right now, right now, man, right now, it's full of opportunities. The goal of our lives should be to do whatever we need to do to embrace what the Father leads us to. Just like Daniel now. To respond as he desires and give every opportunity to point all people involved to declare the God of that man, the God of that woman, the God of that child will be the God of the land because he has made himself known through that individual. Even when he's in the lion's den, among men and among beasts, because friends, sometimes those two are synonymous. Let us not be surprised by that. It's a biblical pattern clearly seen in Daniel chapter 6. Thank you for watching today. You've been listening to and watching the Path to Zion podcast. We're rediscovering the ancient way here. Find our audio broadcasts at pathtozion.com. Like, share, subscribe to this channel here on YouTube if you would. This message is hard and good. That's what the Word of God is. Reach out to us if you have questions, concerns, challenges. I've gotten some stuff this week. Except I don't get it privately. I only get people's criticism in public. Isn't that interesting? Heretic. Pseudo-messianic something. I don't even know what these words mean. Nobody takes the time and really wants to explain. just want to argue. I just want to say something on a computer because it's easy to say and then log off anonymously and nobody even knows who you are. It's the beauty of modern technology. Nonetheless, we're enduring. We're not shaken. We're not moved. We want to be like Daniel. We want to be ultimately like Yeshua Messiah. So send us an email. Good, bad, indifferent. It's fine. Pathdesignpodcast at gmail.com is the way to do it. Thank you for watching. This is the Path Design Podcast. Amen.